The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. We're in the midst of a series titled The Eye of the Storm, based upon the book by the author, the Reverend Dr. Gary Simmons. Today is a special show because today I will be interviewing and allowing you all to call in and ask questions because I have the Reverend Dr. Gary Simmons on the call. How are you doing, Dr. Simmons? I'm doing great. Thank you, Jim. That, that is good. That is good. You know, as I was saying offline, you know, this this book is a game changer. And, you know, it. it I, I call this my... Um, my my blanket book when you know for many years i ran the bookstore at christ universal temple along with other ministerial duties and when people would come in and ask me uh for a book to handle a particular subject i would just refer everybody to the eye of the storm (laughs) (laughs) and they would ask me why and i would use you know i don't know if you're familiar with the phrase but i said this book gets all in your kool-aid so I said, it doesn't make a difference what you're dealing with. This book gets into your Kool-Aid so much you have to deal with yourself. If you yeah. want to have an honest conversation with yourself about where you are in consciousness, not where you think you are, but, but how you actually function, work with this book, do the questions in the book, and it will make all the difference in the world. So, you know, it's it's definitely a pleasure to have you on the call and, you know, so, you know, obviously, I want to, first of all, let people know, you know, where you're at right now. I believe you've, you've taken on within the last year a new assignment, a ministerial assignment. Is that correct? Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. My, my wife, Reverend Dr. Jane, and I have uh, are now co-ministers at uh, Unity Spiritual Center here in Spokane, Washington. And we've been here about uh, almost eight months now, and we're really, uh, we're really um, enjoying our our assignment here. It's 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 an awesome spiritual community, and uh, and constant, uh, interestingly, I'm in the midst of teaching my own Eye of the Storm class. So I'm uh, just in the second week of doing that as well. Well, okay, all right. Can you give us a brief synopsis of the Eye of the Storm from the perspective of the conduit of the material? 
Well, the basic uh, premise of the book is is that until we uh, really get that nothing and no one is against us, we have yet to really engage and and uh, inhabit our sense of well-being or of our wholeness. And so it's it's all about helping um, to prove that there's just God going on in our life, and that what looks and feels against us is is simply a mirror unto our own disconnect. So okay. that's 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 the basic um, intent of the book, and it's it's intended to provide unique principles um, for the purpose of managing the, the the conflicts in our life. Okay, could you further? drill down on this concept no one is against you because i love the story that you use in the book it, it, it's so powerful well the um i'm re- i'm guessing you're referring to the story when i was uh invited by a couple of hindu astrologists to really look at proving that there's nothing known against me in, in my own personal life is that the story galen yes Okay. Well, it was it was one of these moments where I realized that as a unity minister, I um, you know I was living with just a lot of things against me. Um, I had uh, past life experiences. I had uh, you know um, church uh, church members that seemed to be against me. I had board members seem, seemingly against me, and um, family members. You name it. I had all kinds of. Uh, um, ways in which I could characterize my life was such that I had a lot of things against me. But when I when I really took on the uh, intent to prove that that wasn't the truth, I really got in touch with the fact that, you know, we have this foundation principle in unity. There's just one presence and one power, God the good. And then we have seemingly exceptions to that principle. And uh, and so how is it possible that we have exceptions to the principle that there's just God going on? And I discovered that um, in my own personal life, the, the things that I had deemed to be against me always carried with it a sense that if, if, you know, if it was for me, it would feel better, it would feel good. So consequently, I saw that we have a universal um, position that when our life doesn't feel okay, or when when things don't look the way we want them to look, then we deem that our life is against us. But what if how our life looks and feels has nothing to do with how our life is, but rather how we are being with what we're having? And so I was able to see that um, how I was being with my experience determined whether or not a situation was for me or against me. So, so in other words, if I was being with whatever I was having out of some sense of inadequacy, unworthiness, not feeling good enough, if I was believing that I was a disappointment or uh, not enough, then <clears throat> those ways of being would translate into a life that looks and feels against me. So it, it was a matter of me being able to understand conflict as, as really um, a mirror unto unto my way of relating that was really creating the storms of my life as opposed to the circumstances of my life actually being against me. So I'll stop there and see if you have any comments, Galen. Well, you know, um, I love the, uh, first of all, I love the analogy of meeting with the the gentleman that came from overseas. And I think in, in the, in that chapter, which Several things stood out to me, and the no one is against you because I have when when I read books and I see something that's what I would call 
transformational. I don't just highlight it. I put a prescription sign next to it because um, one of my spiritual mothers, uh, Reverend Evelyn Boyd at Christ Universal Temple, always would tell us, if that stands out, put a prescription sign next to it. And I can remember, you know, in the book, I believe it's on page 17, when you talk about how can, how is it possible for you to experience intimidation, threat, or adversary relationship arises out of, uh, is it possible that experiences of intimidation, threat, or adversary relationships arise out of how you are relating to the experience and not how the experience is relating to you? And it really made me realize just how much I give meaning to things. You know, exactly. that really stood out to me. I, I'm giving this meaning. I'm making this what it is. Not exactly. itself. It just is. It, it was it was it was something else. I you know, as, you know as as I read read that story and then went back and you know and of course when I first read the past wife experiences I really chuckled and <laughs> because I thought like you know what you know it doesn't make a difference if it's wife to wife or husband to husband or job to job or business to business we make that experience something against us and it's not. Um, but they're in our experience for our soul to learn its own lessons and and grow and evolve to understanding that no one is against us. Uh, very powerful, very powerful. I, I, I do want to uh, open it up to a, for questions just in case people want to call in during the show because I want the listeners to take advantage of the opportunity. Uh, you could call in to 888-558-6489. 888-558-6489 if you want to ask Dr. Simmons a question about the book The Eye of the Storm uh, I want to make sure that everyone who wants to ask a question gets an opportunity to do that um, so you know you know, back to a few questions that um, that I have you know because I want to you know you know, I don't want to take advantage of all of the time but while people aren't calling I want to make sure that I do um, why do seemingly positive people tend to avoid conflict, Dr. Simmons? Well, I think that, uh, that our tendency to either avoid conflict or become a kind of uh, uh, triggered fighter in the midst of conflict. Now, there's a difference between withdrawal and avoidance and anger and being, um, you know, going after something. I think that those two positions with respect to conflict uh, originate out of our early caregiving, our early um, childhood experiences. In other words, all of us are born into this world in an imperfect caregiving environments, and and because we're so dependent upon our caregivers uh, for everything, um, in, including our survival, we need love and protection to be able to develop in a healthy way. And for most of us in our Western society. The, the tendency in our early childhood is, is to not get a, enough of the love that we need and, um, and consequently uh, not getting uh, the love that we need causes us to um, separate from circumstances that, that are reminiscent of, of past hurts associated with uh, a bit of um, emotional neglect. And, and those who are a bit more abused in their early childhood experiences learn how to become fighters. And so I think the, the most, um, most predominant uh, position is, is that most of us are, are trained to avoid conflict because of our early 
childhood experiences in that regard. Okay. All right. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the Q effect? I, I've been seeing, you know, I, I, I get your emails, and, and and I would like to know and allow the audience to know uh, some of this current work that you're doing. Sure. Um, the Q effect is is a com- uh, company that uh, my wife, uh, Reverend Dr. Jane, and our business partner, Rima, uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Rima Benario, uh, have created about eight or nine years ago to be um, um, the, the container, so to speak, or the publishing uh, company um, to oversee the development of a deeper work called The Art and Practice of Living with Nothing and No One Against You. Uh, and it, it, it contains a 21-day awareness system that is designed to help people identify um, uh, uh, missed messages and beliefs that they've taken on in early childhood that aren't the truth of them, and then to learn exactly the moment in which those beliefs were acquired and then begin to um, integrate those beliefs, those shadow qualities, in, in, in a healthy way so they're not just uh, unconsciously running an individual. So the Q effect, the Q stands for quantum, and we bring a mix of quantum principles, um, uh, adult uh, development principles, uh, brain science, and uh, cutting-edge consciousness studies uh, to create a system uh, that's self-directed, that helps people uh, really identify uh, the shadow qualities, the limiting beliefs that they've taken on in early childhood so that they can see how they are underlying specific un- uncomfortable or dysfunctional life patterns and help them begin to um, uh, and heal those things within themselves. So it's, it's, a, it's a deeper body of work. I would say if um, the eye of the storm is is focused primarily on helping people understand the dynamics of conflict, um, the art and practice, and and the the Q process, which is the actual system of shadow integration itself, this is intended to take an individual even deeper um, so that uh, they're able to move very quickly from a triggering moment to a, a place of real self-compassion and um, be able to be in a much, much healthier place so that while um, the eye of the storm is great for helping people uh, to manage and deal with uh, how they're creating the storms of their life, um, the Q process, the art and practice and the Q process takes them even deeper where they actually do the inner healing and integration. Well, okay. All right. So... And in, in in you dropped so so many things, you know, uh, that that you said so much in that small synopsis uh, about uh, you know shadow work, which which really I think helps the process. It, 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 you know, I, I think about when I hear shadow work, I think about how, how much uh, information. The early New Thought writers didn't have, they didn't have the terminology to explain some of the things that we explain now. You know, when they were talking about the subconscious and the, and the adverse states of consciousness and the triggers and things of that nature, they didn't have the language right. to explain some of these things. You know, uh, and I'm bringing this up because we have about uh, about three minutes before we have our first break. Because at times I've had conversations with some new thought people and they think that when 
uh, presenters bring this new material in that is actually not new thought without realizing the new thought was borrowing and utilizing the best philosophy, psychology, theology of its time. You know, and I wanted to, you know, maybe briefly get your, your thoughts around that. Well, I mean, um, the way I look at it, uh, Galen, is the distinction between translational teachings and transformational teachings. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's a category of teachings that are for, uh, for the purpose of improving our life, uh, moving from lack into abundance, moving from dis-ease to um, well-being. And all of those teachings are, are very valuable and appropriate, but um, there's a certain limitation to just focusing on improving the dream, so to speak, improving our life situation. What transformational teachings, however, are not about improving our lives so much as it is birthing a greater reality. And, and, and so the body of transformational teachings that are now uh, making their um, influence uh, known in, th- in these times um, are, are very timely insofar in as we have such a tumultuous world out there it's, it's better for us to be resilient in times of uh, chaos and, and disarray as opposed to just focus on trying to improve our life circumstance when, the, when what's being called uh, for us is to evolve, to get to the next level. Okay. All right. All right. So we're about, we have about a minute and a half before we take our first break. So let me remind you all again that you could call in and ask Dr. Simmons uh, questions at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. also want to remind you that this show, Truth Transforms, has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you're on Facebook, click the like button. Uh, post videos, articles, quotes, thoughts on different subjects based upon, you know, wherever I'm at at the moment. And let's make sure that we share this process. I also want to remind you that Unity Online Radio, along with all the others, um, or this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, please freely give. This message of transformation is spreading all over the world and we are a conduit for that process to happen so you know you can go to unity.fm click on the donate button and help support a worthy cause a, a, a cause that says we're all one and no one is against you so we'll be right back with true transforms and dr gary simmons Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet. 
where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Reverend Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to, to Truth Transforms. I have the author of the book, The Eye of the Storm, the Reverend Dr. Gary Simmons, uh, on the call, on the show today. And he's here to ask, answer your questions. You know, I, I've, I've had some people email me questions, so I know you're out there. So let's make sure that... Um, it's okay. We we won't bite. You can be brave enough to pick up the phone and give us a call. In the meantime, uh, Dr. Simmons, I'd like to know for the audience and for me, um, how long have you been in the unity movement and how did you get involved with it? Okay, well, um, my first wife was born and raised in unity. I met her when I was 20 years old in uh, San Francisco, California, and that's when I walked into my first unity church. That was back in 1970. What's that, 45 years ago? Yeah. And then um, I entered into ministerial school in 1978 and was ordained in 1980 um, and uh, went into um, uh, pioneered three churches in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, and Fayetteville, Arkansas, and then uh, Twelve years after I was in um, Fayetteville, I left that to become director of peacemaking services for the International Association of Unity Churches. Uh, that's the name of, oh, it was at the time. It's now Unity Worldwide Ministries. And served in that role for um, a number of years and then and then actually left, uh, left that role and uh, became uh, assistant vice president of integral operations after I received my doctoral degree in about eight, eight, uh, eight years ago. Oh, okay. All right. Well, well, you've, you've, you've had quite the history with it. Well, I'm going to read one of these questions that, 
I'm going to try to break it down because uh, one of these questions is so long that um, it would take me a while to read it. But the gist okay. of it is um, asking how do we shift from a concept of being the eye of the storm from an intellectual agreement then towards demonstration and most importantly, instinct. Uh, so I, what I get is this person wants to get, get from an intellectual concept of the eye of the storm to where it functions more instinctively. Right. Well, I mean, in the beginning, it's just like in martial arts, as you know, Dale, and you know, you, you, you practice very basic things. You know, you, you learn how to block and do that um, tens of thousands of times, and then you learn how to, um, you know, you learn how to protect yourself and defend yourself with uh, punches and kicks and pokes and gouges and all those things. But the point is, is that in in the beginning, you, you're just doing things just to be training and conditioning yourself until they become um, um, basically unconscious, uh, just a part of you. And so the same thing happens with respect to um, uh, applying the, the, the spiritual practice associated with um, disarming the triggering moments. And so, so we get triggered and we may know that nothing and no one is against us, but we still react in the beginning because what we need is to create the uh, neural pathways and the brain maps and the muscle memory that helps us uh, not engage the triggering moment with reacting, but rather being present to the triggering moment um, I mentioned in the book out of uh, either the eye of the storm of uh, separation, the eye of the storm of misperception, or the eye of the storm of, of, of competition, or the eye of the storm of defensiveness. So, so the, the antidotes to those conditions that we uh, help create, uh, those conditions that we engage that help create the storms of our life, the antidote to those conditions is for separation, it's communion, for misperception, it's principle, for competition, it's purpose, and for resistance, it's, it's uh, for, for resistance, it's, excuse me, for defensiveness, it's, it's non-resistance. To be able to apply those antidotes, it takes practice. So, so in the midst of, of, for instance, separating from something that looks and feels against us, say we're being judged and we become defensive, that's defensiveness is a form of separation. Um, we can, when we practice non-resistance, when we practice being in the triggering moment and, and being grateful uh, for what it is revealing, it's a mirror onto our own disconnect, as, as we begin to engage in strategies that help us behave differently in the presence of a triggering moment, then we gradually gain the, the capacity to um, behave differently. Um, it, you know, begins slow at first, with, and then eventually it becomes just our nature. So it, it begins with um, understanding the principle and, and then engaging in practice until, we, until it becomes a part of our arts. Yeah, yeah, I, I would... I would give the exact same answer um i totally agree uh and the martial art analogy is the same thing you know when i first started studying okay first things get in the horse stance right then again the lunge stance now get in the cat stance now this is how you you know upward block side block you know etc cetera, etc cetera. reverse punch 
you know, you know, rich hand, et cetera, et cetera. And you're trying to figure out how I'm going to put all this stuff together. But it has to become a part of who you are before you can start learning technique. You got to have a strong body. You got to exercise. You have to, you know, do the conditioning drills. And it was just, and it's the same thing. You know, you learn these basic books. I always, I jokingly tell people that, uh, you know, the, the, the difference between, um, some of the Unity writers and maybe a Joe Goldsmith or those type of writers is, or, you know, is, you know, the Unity writers would say, if you want to get to the, to the roof, take the steps or the elevator. And Joe Goldsmith says, just jump up there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have the capacity to jump up there, great. But most people don't. Uh, and they have to learn and develop the strength to be able to walk to the top of a, uh, of a building to go to the roof. And the the studying, doing the doing the prayer work, doing the meditation work, doing the study work, being in, in, in transformational conversations, all of these things help build the new consciousness. And I think that that's so important that that we get back to the basics, get back to the reps. You know, I'm you know, as I mentioned offline, I'm you know in class and yesterday, one of the things I noticed right off the bat, uh, Doctor Simmons was. Uh, I really need to stretch more. <laughs> like some of the things I, my mind knows I can do physically, I can't do right now. Right. Because I haven't been practicing the basics of stretching. Right. So, so me having the data doesn't matter. I can't, I can't pull it off. And sometimes I might have read Lessons in Truth and Eye of the Storm and Mysteries of Genesis, and, and intellectually I might have it, but it's not a part of me anymore because I can't pull it off. It's a disconnect in consciousness with, you know, with with my data versus my realization of the data. Oh, I have a caller, uh, Dr. Simmons, so let me um, take the call. We have a caller named Sherry on the line. Sherry, how are you? Where are you from? Hey, this is Sherry out in California. Um, so uh, I should just say there's a baby in the background, so if you hear him, <laughs> that's what that is. Um, I had a question, and I think you guys may have moved on, but uh, I had to stop listening in order to dial in. The You were talking about, like, just when people come into New Thought and, and just, you know, kind of starting with, like, the basics, like just get your fundamentals in. And then you move to a place of of awareness once you have your fundamentals. How do you do that? I'm a pastor. How do you do that on a collective level? Like, I get that from an individual standpoint, but... Um, I am in the midst of, you know, moving into a senior minister position. I have a congregation of people at various levels of consciousness, um, which I guess that would be a person, you know, at various levels, depending on an area in their life. Hold on, baby. And, you know, how does that apply from a collective standpoint when you're talking about moving a body of people to, uh, forward? And I'm going to mute myself while you answer. Okay, I, I think that's a great question, Sherry, and, uh, and as part of my my passion is to help the spiritual communities really inhabit and embody these principles. So, so what what really has to occur is that there needs to be a depth of um, of a cultural uh, shift within the entire congregation in, in in terms of its capacity to engage transformation. So. What we've done here at uh, Unity Spiritual Center is that 
Uh, I've been teaching a class called The Art and Practice of Living with Nothing and No One Against You. I mentioned it earlier in the program. It's really a, the sequel to The Eye of the Storm. And basically, it, it began with just the leadership of, of the church, and then it, uh, and I continued to teach the class. And basically, I told everybody that um, everybody needs to take this class because it's going to give us uh, a common tool that every one of us in the entire congregation is going to be using to manage any kind of discomfort that uh, arises either within ourselves as individuals or collectively within the church. And so, so now almost 200 people have been through this program, and we all possess the same identical tool, and more importantly, um, the language of transformation, being able to talk and to um, frame our conversations in the context of, of transforming, getting to, getting to the next level. And, and one, of the, one of the major tipping points in, in our spiritual community that has resulted in, in having this uh, kind of uh, congregational-wide uh, program where everybody is, is learning the exact same tool for managing conflict, for dealing with discomfort, is that the tipping point has uh, allowed us for the entire community to shift into no longer sourcing uh, one's uh, discomfort or one's well-being outside of oneself. You see, this is typically the um, uh, the position of most folks who are unfamiliar with transformation is that they source their discomfort and their well-being outside of themselves. This is how uh, this is how the world uh, trains us. I mean, we're trained to think this way when it comes to uh, whether or not we have the latest gadget uh, that can make us feel good about ourselves or dealing with whatever discomfort that we find ourselves threatened by. It's all sourced outside of ourselves, and that's part of the problem. And so when the entire community awakens to the truth that, no, the source of my well-being and the source of my discomfort is not out there but arises within me, then there becomes a tipping point that really helps the entire congregation really focus and get in alignment with the, a transformative uh, culture. And, and so this, this would be my, my sense is that you teach some kind of transformative tool and teach it where the entire congregation learns it and it becomes a part of the church's culture. Mm-hmm. So, and from a practical standpoint, are you doing this in sermon series, in classes, and what is that approach? Does it need to be holistic? So, so our approach is that we have a year-long theme as as the as the the basic uh, umbrella, and that that theme is living the art and practice. Excuse me, the art and practice of living with nothing and no one against us. That's our theme. And all of our classes um, and all of our trainings uh, are nuances of that theme. So, so as I mentioned, over 200 people have been through the an identical program called the Q Process Workshop, which is the self-directed um, 21-day shadow integration system that goes along with the art and practice of living with nothing and knowing against you program. And that has been repeated several times, sufficiently so, where where um, 90% of our entire congregation has gone through it 
over the last eight months. And so that's how it's, how it's been rolled out. And all of our Sunday talks are, are focused on uh, coaching to the Q process, which, as I mentioned, is a system of shadow integration. Okay. The material that you're discussing, is it something that's ready to be shared, or is it, are you still developing it within your church? Well, no, we've had the Q effect, which is um, a company that I uh, spoke briefly about in, early in, in the, in the uh, interview here, is, uh, is, our, is our company where we certified and train people to be in-house facilitators of the program. And we have about uh, 100 certified facilitators of the Q process spread throughout Unity and, and Centers for Spiritual Living all over the country. And the, the, the ideal is, is that you have someone who's trained to facilitate the program at your center or church. Um, and, and usually the typical way that this gets introduced is to have someone come out to your church and present the uh, workshop and the queue process, and then, um, and then you have someone get the training so they can bring it back to your center and it can become a part of the church's culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love this, and I did hear you speaking about it, but I, I think I was coming in like right at that point. And so for a minister who would want that, do we send a request to you? Like how, how does that happen? Or do you sure. Well, you already plan for Southern California. Yeah, um, there's a, we have some folks who are trained in Southern California. If uh, you can just contact me directly, just Gary G A R Y at theqeffect.com, and uh, you can um, uh, then we can talk offline or connect offline about how we can make that happen for you. Awesome. Thank you. This is great information. Great interview, Galen. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry, for calling in. All right. So, uh, uh, Dr. Simmons, I, I, I want to make sure that, again, I give other people an opportunity to call in if they want uh, to 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. We're going we're gonna to skip our last break because I have some other questions that I want to make sure that I get out, but I have uh, as a part of that original question that I read uh, before uh, Sherry called in, um, I, I the same person asked another question in that same uh, email, and basically asked about um, how do you work with with um, I guess I'm trying to shrink this. Uh, it's basically based around vulnerability. That a, that a person had an experience with somebody, they were trying to practice the principle and be vulnerable in the moment, yet then once they allowed this person to engage into their personal space, it wasn't, um, it wasn't, um, it wasn't something that they would have preferred happen or whatever. They didn't get any details. So the person is wondering, when do you stand, I guess, quote unquote, on I can be with anyone, I can be with anything, and I'm okay. And when is it time to disengage when it comes around the concept of vulnerability? Well, I think it's, it's important to, um, to emphasize that if there's any uh, hint of any kind of abuse, physical or psychological or emotional abuse, that it's not appropriate for 
for you to engage that those behaviors that constitute um, yourself being in any kind of danger or compromising position. So with that said, um, the intent behind being present to what we're having as a portal into a greater um, uh, greater healing and, and awakening for ourselves, you know, is is only possible when we have the, the, the conditions that support that. Otherwise, you know, it, 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 it's not necessarily the best thing for us to do is to run the risk of being uh, hurt. And and so the idea is, is that if we have the capacity to be able to be in a triggering moment uh, connected to the awareness of our worth, of our value, knowing who and what we've come here to be, we have the capacity to overcome uh, whatever um, uh, limiting beliefs that we, we might have about ourselves and not be, be diminished in, in the presence of the triggering moment and therefore uh, feel a sense of capacity or uh, ability. Sort of like being, if, if you're trained in martial arts, you have a different uh, confidence about yourself and you're less likely to um, uh, find yourself in vulnerable uh, circumstances because of a, a heightened awareness with respect to your ability. And, but yet at the same time, that, that heightened awareness and, and the ability to defend yourself translates into actually not um, being uh, in such vulnerable moments. I, I often tell people, you know, in the 30 years that I've taught and practiced martial arts, I've broken my fingers, my toes, my wrists. I've had three broken ribs. I've been knocked out. I've been stabbed. I've been choked unconscious. I've been in the emergency room three times to be sewn up. You know, all in the practice of martial arts. Um, I've never been attacked, and that's that's when most folks that's what most folks find very very humorous. But but the point is is that we can uh, if if we're wanting to be vulnerable, if we're wanting to be willing to be present to a situation, um, it's important for us to have confidence and have skills before we try to practice something that might end up. Um, being insufficient to really deal with with a, a real moment, a real encounter. Yeah, I, I can, I can, I would, ditto, ditto. I, I totally agree. You know, it's it's just not good wisdom to engage in something that you're not prepared to handle, or to be around somebody who who might not be in the in the mental space to be holistic in that moment. You're not proving anything. You know. Um, you know, Reverend Coleman used to always say, you know, you're not being a true student by going out in the middle of January in Chicago without a coat on. You know, uh, <laughs> what are you trying to prove? You know, so and many times, you know, I'm going to prove that I know this stuff. It's sort of similar to it reminds me of um, <laughs> uh, my dad and his friends when they were uh, younger in the in the 60s, they would. Uh, and I, I'm sure you know this as a martial art instructor. I'm sure you'll get a chuckle out of this. They did, they wanted to be able to prove that the martial arts they learned worked. So they when they would leave school, uh, the the dojo, <laughs> they would find people to fight yeah. <laughs> until the teacher found out about it. <laughs> so they would put themselves in situations to where they would want to learn it but guess what happens somebody's going to get hurt because practicing something once at a dojo 
thinking that you can pull it off on somebody that's really trying to hurt you can get you hurt or killed. And, you know, it's a long story around that that I don't, you know, one, I'm not going to tell the whole story because that's his business. But but people can really get hurt doing that. And I think at times, you know, um, you know, uh, what I, I tell people, my, my background in New Thought came because I heard a tape from Les Brown and uh, who's a at one point was an ordained minister for Universal Foundation for Better Living, Reverend Coleman's organization, before he came and went into motivational speaking. And then I heard Reverend Coleman came to the church, ended up almost dying from a severe asthma attack, dormant asthma. So I put the principles in the work as, I mean, I became intense. And I was was the equivalent of a Shaolin monk with Hmm. thought every, every waking moment. You know, uh, anytime I could read, I could pray, I could meditate, I could affirm, I could write down thoughts, journal, everything you can think of till I got a complete healing. But I tell people, you know, when that doctor told me years ago that even though I was I, all my tests came back right, I still had to keep those two inhalers and the pills because of the damage that that uh, the initial damage that I did to my lungs. And I can remember having a conversation at age 20, almost 21, with my mother saying, I'm going to prove this or I'm not going to be here. The the spiritual space that I was in allowed me to have that conversation and make that decision. But I don't recommend it for people. I said, you have to be so sure, so sure, that is no doubt when you go into those type of decisions, I didn't tell that story for years because I didn't, because we, you know how things can be. Sometimes a person only hear he threw his medicine away. They won't hear the, I was having the conversation of there's only God. And if it's only God, these are God's lungs and God's breath is fine. And God's body is fine. And God's mind is fine. And God's, you know, I was just everything. God, you know, I was waking, you know, and, and it got to the point to where I totally became a different person. You know, I, I, I said to someone yesterday, I said, I don't know if I would be in the position I'm in right now if that storm hadn't come. I don't know if I would be a minister today. I, I had I had nothing to push me that hard. I was happy with life, content. Life was working. <laughs> and then the storm shows up. And I had to find myself. So, I, you know, so I'm grateful for the storm. All right. It helped me. Re- it, it helped me find my spiritual nature. That I was clueless. I was clueless to who I was. And the only thing that I was trying to understand was because, uh, because I don't know if you're familiar with Reverend Coleman's ministry. I'm, I'm actually I met you years ago when Reverend Coleman came to unity in like 2003 or something like that. But it was in yeah. passing. You know, yeah. her she she got into the movement because she had six months to live from a incurable disease diagnosis. So when I would listen to her talking, I would say, you know, she's not reading this just because it's in the Bible or in a book or whatever. This is her testimony, and I'm right. like, if I can get it, th- th- this understanding that she's talking about, then I can be healed. And I don't have to have that. And I don't, et cetera. And once that dawned on me, it was, it, it, it was, it was, as, as Yoda would say, you know, when he was, had Luke lifting up the plane, you don't think do. 
Yeah, <laughs> you, you have to be it. Um, one of the one of the questions that uh, so that's my background. How I got into New Thought. It was it was it was literally get it or not. But anyway, uh, uh, and I'm and by the way, and I can and I can honestly say with absolute integrity, I've never that was 1993, and I've never had another asthma attack or breathing problem since. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, the the what I wanted to actually ask you about is something that that just came to mind as as I was talking. You use a lot of Jesus's teachings, especially the Sermon on the Mount, in your book. Um, can we, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I I, I see Jesus as as you know not uh, uh, he's not on a pedestal for me, but he's uh, he's right there as far as uh, being um, someone who has walked that journey, walked that path to uh, to really own his his essence and his Christ nature, and and so I see his teachings as really. Um, helpful tools to help us keep uh, focus on bringing spiritual principles to what we're having as our experience. Specifically, his teachings on the enemy. You know, he says, you know, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to those who hate you and spitefully use you, and pray for those who persecute you, so you may be called children of your Father which is in heaven. So, it's as if, you know, we don't even get to uh, claim the identity of being a child of God until we're able to do those things. Um, we, call, we call those four steps, um, you know, love, bless, do good, and pray. Uh, we call that the four-floor formula. Actually, uh, my wife, uh, Reverend Dr. Jane, who's written the book, The Eye of the Storm for Teens, uh, has, has coined that term, but... The, the point is, is that those four steps, uh, love, bless, do good, and pray, um, offer us an antidote to the conditions that we help helped create that support the storms of our life. So to love means to accept, to allow, to embrace whatever we're having in the present moment because it is a portal to that part of ourself that is uh, in living in a disconnect. To, to bless a situation means to endow it with the capacity to be good in our life. And to uh, do good means to do the right thing. And to pray, uh, obviously, um, Jesus didn't say, you know, pray like, uh, dear Lord, get this out of my life. But he said to pray, uh, well, the, the prayer that he prayed from the cross, you know, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Um, that prayer helps us understand that uh, our offender can only hurt us when they're not connected to their own well-being and worth, and we can only be wounded or hurt when we're not connected to our own sense of well-being and worth. And so those teachings um, um, have, have really been core to the Eye of the Storm material, and they continue to be uh, practice that I use. Well, you know, um, I actually, first of all, I'm fascinated with Jesus, uh, absolutely fascinated with him as a human being. You know, you know, I think sometimes people, you know, we, as you mentioned, he's put so high on the pedestal. We don't see the how he taught human relationships. Um, I'm absolutely fascinated with him. That's a that's another conversation for another day. Uh, one of the things that I did mention to someone yesterday in the midst of um talking about uh the situation that just recently happened in paris 
and because you know and uh you know we were talking about you know obviously churches praying and things of that nature um and sometimes how metaphysics can desensitize you to experiences when you know okay you know no one's against me it's all god sometimes people you know for lack of terms are so heavenly they're no earthly good and i mentioned that you know jesus's teachings on love grace compassion forgiveness i think really take really help complete the metaphysical philosophy and i said to be an honest follower of jesus means that while you're praying for paris you're praying that isis opens their eyes and hearts to who they are so they don't have to live and function from the space that they're in and it was like it caught the person off guard i said but jesus said pray for enemies pray for those who despitefully use you etc etc all the things that you just mentioned i said is and he said it's easy to do that for people you like and love but when you think that person is against you that's the time to pray right. for that person's well-being you know and it was it was a light bulb moment for the person like you know what i didn't think about that you know because we you know you know I, you know, we don't want people just being in fight or flight mode. And I'm not saying that it's not appropriate human behavior to address situations when people don't want to play nice in the sandbox. But I, but as metaphysicians, if we're not holding to the principle, who is? All right. You know, it's, it's it's something else. You know, we have about a minute and a half left, Dr. Simmons. And, you know, I probably could talk to you about this book probably for about 12 weeks. <laughs> we didn't even really delve into the book, um, but you know. But I think you you, you gave a uh, you have given a great synopsis, a great understanding of what you're doing. Can you give people the website to um, to get in contact with you to your, your Q Effect website? Sure, it's uh, www.theqeffect.com. And uh, you can find out information about uh, the programs and publications there. And uh, also my personal email address is Gary, G-A-R-Y, at theqeffect.com. If you want to connect up with me regarding um, any of the programs that uh, you've heard about today, and uh, that's the best way to reach me. All right, beautiful, beautiful. Um, you know, I, I also met your wife Jan. I think at a Michael Beckwith at Michael Beckwith Church a few years back uh, for, at a uh, something. Um, she probably doesn't remember. I just walked up and said, "Hey, I'm a big fan of your husband's book." <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so you know, I'm sure she's heard that a lot. So she probably won't remember me, but you know, I want to make sure that that I do acknowledge her and her work as. Um, you know, the co-pastor of, of the church and helping bring this magnificent work to the public. Um, thank you for being open. Thank you for being a conduit through which this message can flow. Um, it is greatly appreciated. Oh, you're welcome, Galen. Well, what we're going to do now is uh, obviously we have to wrap up. It's 1055 Chicago time. So, um, again, I'm, I'm going to thank you. We're going to I was supposed to announce what what book I'm going to do um, for the next couple of weeks before the break, but I'm going to pause on that. So if you want to find out that audience, go to my Facebook page in a couple of days and I'll post it. So with that, Dr. Simmons, thank you very much. Uh, callers, 
you know, just just continue to follow and listen and do the work. Follow your basics. Do your punches. Do your blocks. Do your kicks. Get your legs strong with your stances. So when it comes time for you to be able to pull off your technique, you can. So learn your prayer work. Learn your denials, your affirmations, your visualization, your visioning, your study work. But more importantly, just be the space where you understand. No one is against you. You are the individualized expression of God and all is well. Thank you, Dr. Simmons. Thank you, listeners. God bless you. We'll be back with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. A carpenter was working at a cathedral. He was laying tiles on the highest part of the roof and wasn't making an effort to do a good job. His foreman noticed the poor work and said, You'll have to redo that portion of the roof and do it right. The carpenter asked why. No one's ever going to see these tiles way up here. The foreman answered, God will see them, and God is very particular. Although other people may not see it, the universe is aware of your attitude. So are you. Your attitude affects every aspect of your life. If you change your attitude, you will change your life. Changing your thoughts helps change your actions and can result in positive changes in the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.